Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey in Your Own Backyard. I am Rob, your host, and today I'm joined by Chef Chris Nicholas. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, bud? Uh, I appreciate you taking some time. Let me come in and, you know, I've come in and eaten your food and it's delicious. And I said, man, I got to sit down and talk to this guy and kind of see what, where this came from, where it's all, what it's all about. Wow, it's great to be with you. So thanks for taking some time. Hey, my pleasure. Rules of the show. You got to say cuss words. Okay. Is that hard for you, a guy like you? Uh, I Might be difficult. It, you'll, you'll, it might be. Put your arm out. I'll twist it. Okay. Okay. That helps. That helps. No, but you, you have a great place here, and we're in Houston, Texas. Thank and you. I don't think when people think Greek food, I don't think, you know, if you thought of three or four cities, I don't think Houston would come up. Am I wrong here? Probably not. I mean, Chicago, maybe. Chicago, New Detroit, York. New York. Correct. Uh, upper Northeast, upper mid Midwest, somewhere in those areas. Is there any other regions that you know? Florida. There's a, is it really? Florida, yeah. Is that right? Florida's huge. With Greek food. Oh, yeah, with Greeks, period. I, well, I mean, if there's Greek Tarpon. food, I'm assuming there's Greeks. Well, <laughs> Tarpon Springs. Is that right? Oh, yeah, the majority of the town is Greeks. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, because okay. of the sponge fishing. and. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, let's get into, like I said, you're here in Houston. Yes, sir. How in the world did you get here? And I'm going to give them a little background. You can kind of fill in the gaps, but I'm just going to give a broad view that you were, tell me if I'm wrong, from Chicago born? Yes, sir. Went to Greece, came back here, somehow ended up in Houston. So now you get to fill it in. Um, Born and raised Chicago. Okay. The Windy City. And I'm a Cubs fan, by the way, y'all. Not a Sox fan. Good for you. Southside. Southsiders don't work for me. (laughs) Um, I lived, born and raised Chicago, left when I was about 13 years old. My dad had the opportunity to retire semi-early. We moved to Greece as a family, finished school out there. Had the opportunity, too many opportunities to get into a, the hotel chef business. Um, but I wanted so badly to come back to the United States Went back to Chicago, stayed a couple of years, went back to Greece, kicked my feet around because us expats start to lose their minds. And then finally dialed it back in, went to Chicago, ran the family business for many years. What's the, what's the family business? Family business was a restaurant. Dad was an electrical engineer by trade. Okay. Um, but saw that he wasn't making enough money. Um, and was a great numbers man, and it was a waffle and pancake house that was pretty famous for its time. So when I think waffle and, and pancake house, I'm thinking kind well, of like talking, a diner. Yeah, diner. Yeah, where we we have some patrons who will sit up at the bar, and you got the big flat. We top had no going. bar. We no had bar. no bar. No, that's this the first was, thing I kind of think of was, when I think it of. was. It was a diner style, but it was all closed off on those areas. Okay, and it was tables and booths. Is that right? Yeah, we had a capacity of, uh, maximum capacity of 230 people. Well, that's a big place. Oh, yeah, it was. That's a big place. Okay, oh, yeah. I don't think diner for that. I'm calling that a restaurant. That was, that's yeah. a restaurant. Yeah. Chicago, we call them Greek diners because. Yeah. Well, let's, let's fill in because, you know, you're Greek, obviously, and you and I were talking, and your, your passion for, for Greek food didn't come in Chicago. It was when no. you went back to Greece. Yes. And you didn't just go back there. I mean, what was the age when you went there? 
I was 15, 13. 13, okay. Yeah. And you were there not just a year or two. You were there for... I was there 15 years almost. So, okay, now people can kind of get that understanding of, okay, yeah. that's a lot of time to kind of get immersed into the Greek culture, the Greek food, and, and that's kind of where you fell in love with everything. Uh, yes, I was actually shocked. Other than my grandmother's Greek cooking, I had never experienced other than the Americanized Greek food. Okay. Um, my grandmother's food, by all means, was not Americanized whatsoever. But my grandmother was a World War II woman who pretty much only know, knew how to cook poor people's food. Yeah. Wasn't into the um, variety of cuts of meats. It was simplistic, clean eating food. That was probably 50 cents a portion. Wow, okay. okay. Well, you, you said something there. You said, you know, Americanized Greek food. Yes. So, uh, and I think that applies to a lot of cultures that their food gets brought here, whether it's an Alfredo sauce from Italy or something from Greece or Chinese food, you know, right. that's right. made a certain way so Americans will eat it or whatever you want to call that. Uh, I'm a fan of the authentic authentic versions of these cultures. I think that's where you get to really see what they're doing with the food and, and really appreciate what they're doing, but to think the flavors are way better, too. Right. Um, but you educated me on talking about American type of Greek food, a gyro. And I think everybody in America thinks if you're going to get a proper gyro, it must have... The ground lamb and beef. Which is absolutely wrong. And I think lamb specifically, they go, ooh, lamb, that's See, a... There was, there's, a, there's a place in Crete that does a lamb gyros, and it's mostly, it's a mutton. I mean, you're not going to get much meat out of a baby lamb or a 40-pound sure. lamb. Um, and it was considered a, a delicacy that was very expensive in Greece. Pork was the commodity meat, and... Euros, pork gyros was done with pork belly and pork shoulder. Pork belly, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we don't raise our pork for the bacon. Okay. We raise our pork for the meat. Yeah. So I'm just not... thinking the flavor that would have. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 it was killer. Yeah. Yeah. When I, was, when I was first introduced to it, I walked into a little gyros joint thinking like an American out of Chicago. And I walk in and I'm staring at these meat spinning, not knowing what the hell it was. Yeah. Guy's staring at me. I'm looking. And he looks at me and he goes, you must be Greek American. <laughs> he knew. He knew. I stuck out like a sore thumb. So he handed me a Euros. And he says, this one's on me. Give it a shot. Yeah. So I walked outside. There's no seat back then in those joints. They were all charcoal fire, no gas. No, Greece didn't have natural gas. If we did, it was propane tanks. And I walked outside, started eating this uh, pork gyros, and just about collapsed from the flavor profile. Yeah. Walked back inside and bought myself two more. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, and from then, it's just been a passion of the proper gyros. So... Not a lot of Greek places here in Houston, uh, but the ones that you... Do you know of anybody else who does them with pork like you that no. makes them the authentic way? No. Okay, I don't know that I do either, and I've been to a couple. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, 
I'm the first one that brought it. Um, there might have been somebody who tried it, uh, but they're not it, it, they're not easy to maintain. Um, it, it it it's just like anything else, like barbecue. Sure, if it's not at the right temperature for the right period of time, you're not going to get the succulents. You're not going to get the flavor. Right. You're not going to get the just that melty, fat, juicy, gnarly right bite. Yeah, that just makes you go, ah. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about your place here and the menu that you have. Because when we, we, we call it a Greek grill, I mean, what's, what's I see, you know, it just is, Greek it, grill. Yeah, I am a Greek grill. And, you know, uh, a, a lot of times uh, Americans assume that every Greek restaurant should have what the other ones have. I mean, pastizio, which is Greek lasagna, Moussaka, um, which is uh, eggplant with bechamel and a little bit of meat sauce. Um, those aren't staple foods of Greece. Those are special occasion foods. Okay. And America, the Greeks came here and turned it into carnival food. Okay. So a, a Greek grill in Greece is open flame, uh, uh, charred pieces of meats, just like Texas barbecue. If people kind of thought street food, would, would that be a category it, 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 similar? It, it is It is very much a street food because none of those places back in the day used to be sit down. Right. It was so to get all, something quick, put it in it. A, a vessel that could hold it. Which and is wrap, like it up, wrap it up in paper, throw the yeah. french fries on top. Yeah, I think about tacos or yeah, you know, yeah. hot dog places. These are all kind of similar in that, that in thought that, of how we're going to serve this food quickly. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let, let's do talk about I do want to say that when you're not just a come in, leave, you can sit down and enjoy. You've got 15 tables or so in here right. that people can sit down and enjoy. You've got TV, so it's, it's a place to hang yeah, out. We have, we have a capacity of 65. 65, nice size little place. Um, but I want to talk about the menu you do have because you have a standard menu. There might be times that you put something special Whatever, you get a hair to, to make something that might be more of a special occasion. You might offer it for a day, but you have a kind of a standard menu, but I think it might be changing. It, it is going to be changing. So let, can we talk about of course. the change? Yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into let's what we have now and what kind of tweaks you're going to well, make. Well, right now it. I do, uh, and I'm going to maintain the Greek staples. Okay. Uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of times the Americans assume the pita bread is the gyro. The actual gyro meat is what spins on the vertical rotisserie. Right. That's what Euros is called. Unfortunately, I can't beat Google. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with the flow just to keep the understanding. All our skewered meats, we do skewered meats that are marinated from chicken to a Greek-style barbecue chicken to a beef tenderloin skewer marinated in wine garlic... Uh, that's my chefy out of that one. And uh, then we do the standard Greek lemon chicken skewer. We also do uh, something called the beefsteaky, which is a Greek meatball, for lack of a better term, that is also broiled. Um, we which is delicious. It, which, thank you. It, it, it's, it's, it's something that... Uh, is not common. People look at it as a slider. It's not served on a bun. 
Um, but then I do go into my dips, which I do from a whip feta to a spicy feta to a chipotle tzatziki um, and a few other uh uh, mostly Greek uh, uh, dips, but I've also incorporated some flavors that are in the Southwest. Um, I've also put some American fare with a little bit of a, a Greek twist in them. Sure. Um, but that's that chefy in me that can't. That's what makes food fun. Well, that, it's, it's the only way to play. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, we, we get bored and tired. <laughs> bored and tired, yeah. and then we're still hungry. And we're still hungry. Um, you make. Uh, what I think is one of the most delicious Spanakopitas that I've ever had. Thank you. And yes. you don't make it... And I, and you tell me, Chef, is this the traditional way? And most places do it differently? Because I always see it kind of layered in that filo. Well, see, that, that, that filo dough, unfortunately, that, was, uh, that we see here in the United States, obviously, obviously it's all machined. In Greece, it's still done old-world style... And yes, you can find it frozen section of your grocery store. Um, for those Greeks in Greece that could care less about the old world style. The way I do mine is like the southern Greeks did. Um, it's a provincial dough. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's an empanada. Um, no. It looks like one. Yes. It's similar to one. But it's done with olive oil in the dough and some butter. An empanada dough could be done with a pork fat uh, and some butter, possibly. Well, and, and the dough on this is light and crispy. And flaky. Yes. Uh, when I think of an empanada, typically it's got more substance, more chew to it. Chew to it. Yeah, and this yes. doesn't. So, I mean, you look at it and you're right. Visually, you're going to go, kind of reminds me of an empanada. But when you get into it with the flavors in that, uh, right. the, the spinach and everything, man, it's See, just it, delicious. And, and we, we make many, many different, those are called pies in Greek. We make them with meat inside, meat and cheese, uh, spinach and feta, um, we do different field greens with different cheeses. Now, my version is the true Southern Greek done with spinach, leek, feta cheese, and then I'll have to kill everybody afterwards because I can't <laughs> say the rest of the. I always laugh, uh, not laugh, but I get a kick out of, I guess you could say laugh, at how similar cultures are in a lot of ways Extreme. with the foods. And I always wondered... How did that happen? How, how, where did it start? Because you can think about this, just take, for example, let's just say we're here in Texas. This is the Bayou City, or let's, let's say jambalaya. Correct. And jambalaya, to me, is very similar to a paella. Right. Maybe a little bit like a risotto. Right. You know, right, and, right, and right. these are from, you know, Italy, Spain, yeah. and other places. And, and I'm going, but, you know, you think about them and they're very similar. So we can thank the Merchant Marines for that. Okay. Of yesteryear. Is there some evidence of where this There's comes? There's some huge evidence. And that's one example. There's lots of oh, different There's many examples. examples. Yeah. The migrations yeah. of, of one country going to another country and asking yeah. for help. Um, you know, it's it's pretty amazing that they came up with the first cheesecake in the world came out of Greece. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it was, they baked the was cheese. It Philadelphia cream cheese? It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. 
It was a baked <laughs> cheese in order to preserve it. Okay. To continue eating it. Makes sense. There was no refrigerators. There was no nothing. Yeah. Time so, was not on your side. No, not at all. <clears throat> so it was found that the Greeks made the first cheesecake. No, okay. There was no sweets or preserves or anything on it. Right. It was just a hunk of cooked cheese. Yeah. So, but all, all the foods, the similarities, like when I did research for this place, um, it, it was amazing to me that Google led me on a path to find out that a, a part of Mexico um, where they are able to grow tomatoes, which is close to the volcano. That's got to have some flavor. Uh, the, one of the best yeah. is they went to the people of Santorini to... Um, Ask them how they grew their tomatoes. Now, Santorini is a no-water island um, volcanic. And when they grow tomatoes, they grow them low to the ground. Oh, wow. And they wait for the dew and the moisture coming from the volcano, quote-unquote, to water all their produce. From capers to tomatoes to everything. Wow. So in the 1600s at some point, about 2,500 Greeks migrated to Mexico. Showed uh, the Mexicans how to grow tomatoes. Then their foods were shared. So a tortilla was actually a pita. But there, there was no wheat. Yeah. So they used the masa, the corn. Well, you know, my wife's Mexican, and uh, what I found out is there's a huge German influence in Mexico, too. There is. And uh, there's also an Irish. Yeah. yeah. One of the, you know, if you ask me, when you, when you have a grated cheese that you're going to put on tacos, you know, for Mexican food, what's that grated cheese? And for me, it's got to be Munster, because when we go eat in Mexico— I mean, that's where I learned about Munster cheese. Munster cheese. That's what you put. It melts so great. I mean, it's got great flavor. It's, I mean, it's just... And people... People and don't realize that there's They this, don't realize it. Yeah, this infusion of different cultures, like you're saying, in these different areas that add to what... And, and again, it's the merchant marines. Yeah, never thought about that. That makes a great point. It, it, it's, it's so fascinating to see the cultural foods resemblances. Yeah. The flavor profiles. I mean, like gyros, uh, the Mexicans have uh, trompo. Yeah, it's on a vertical rotisserie, cut the street same food. Way. Street food, baby. Yep. And the word gyros, I mean, a gyros was invented on the sword with a big hunk of meat thrown over a fire and spun a few times and eaten straight from the sword. So I, I learned something. You may know this. Uh, so tomatoes are indigenous to Greece. They are. Okay. They're not in Italy. No, they are not. They were brought in in the early 1900s, and I did not know that. I thought, you think Italian food, you know, red sauce, (laughs) Uh, but that's not been in their cuisine for as long as some people might think. It's like apples are not indigenous to Greece. Yeah. But yet we have about 15 varieties of apples, and it was a Greek that came from Greece to the United States brought some apple seeds back after eating apples here 
and some great apples yeah. are grown in Greece. Well, and if you think about, like, to the point on Italian food, the four pastas of Italy in Rome, none of them have tomatoes in them. You know, they're an egg-based uh, with pecca romano cheese and, and usually guanciale, if you do it right. But, uh, yeah, I just thought that was curious. I learned that on a, on a different show with an Italian gentleman that uh, I always thought, you know, tomatoes were that's an Italian thing, right? But It's not. Not. Yeah. So it's curious, to your point, how things get brought in and how that helps evolve the cuisine of these different and, places. And, and the ingenuity of these... And a master chef could be your own grandmother. Sure. The in- a lot of them are. Uh, they, it came from there. Absolutely. Um, the ingenuity when they were introduced to these foods and how much they enjoyed the fruits, the vegetables, and how they incorporated it into their food, into their diets. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to mention, you know, you kind of touched on it, that you have some kind of twist on some of your foods with that Texas kind of flair. Well, yeah, because I'm married to a Mexican woman as well. Okay, fair enough. Okay. And you are in Texas, and, so and, you got to please and, the and, Texans and, too. Of course, yeah. of course. But uh, you've made a really good burger. I mean, you've uh, gotten uh, yeah. recognized. And well, it's an A-plus-plus burger. Tell people what that means. Uh, well, A-plus-plus is uh, good old Allison Cook. Food critic here in the town. F- food critic for the Houston Chronicle for over 20, 30 years. Yeah. First discovered me when I first opened. Uh, didn't know who the woman was. Came in several times. Asked me certain questions. We had a couple conversations. Um, and I'm the kind of chef who likes to come out of the kitchen and get friendly with my customers. And one night she comes in and brings her friends and brings wine, cracks wine open. By the way, you can bring your own booze. I was going to bring it up, but yet you beat me to it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and there's no corkage fees, as long as you eat. Yeah. And um, we sat down. She gave me a glass of wine, very good wine. And... So you knew who she was. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? You just thought it was a a friendly customer. That's all I thought it was. Okay. The woman reading a book while yeah. eating. That's all she wants. And she said, here, I'll share a little vino with you. Yeah, and with her friends. Okay. I want to introduce you. And as I'm sipping on this wine, she looks at me, and she says, by the way, I'm a food critic. I said, isn't everybody today? <laughs> yeah. She looked well, at me. And what's said, your Instagram? <laughs> she started laughing. She goes, no, I'm the food critic. And I looked at her, and I said, the food critic of what yeah and she goes did you get a phone call from the houston chronicle today and then i just closed my eyes and said oh dear i said yes i did well, that's who i'm the food critic for oh oh and i said well i'll be sipping my wine and talking <laughs> to you later but she gave us rave reviews yeah um she gave us uh three out of four stars um or two out of th- four stars. I'm not sure how her first works. But apparently it, it, it's great for a place like mine. Okay. And then she re-reviewed us again, uh, ordering food. And then during the reopening of the pandemic, we were, what, at 25, 50% capacity. 
she does a, a online order and orders my Greek burger. Now I did harass her for about a year trying to get her to try it. Yeah. And I never got a response from her, whether it was Facebook, whether it was uh, Instagram, whether it was an email. By the she way, ghosted she ghosted you. She ghosts everybody. <laughs> I'm sure she gets a lot of, she will gets, you come try this? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. But all of a sudden she ordered it. And... I take it out to her car, and I look at her. I had no idea it was her. Didn't pay attention to the name. It just said Allison. I mean, yeah. how many Allisons could be out there? Millions? But I walked the order out to her car, and she looked at me, and I could see her smiling under her mask. And it's very noisy out front, and she goes, How are you doing, sweetheart? And I said... Excuse me. I said, I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? Great to see you. Wait till you try that burger. She goes, you couldn't make it special for me because I bet you you didn't know who the hell I was. And I said, you're spot on on that one. (laughs) Good for her. And it it was great um, because two days later it went into her Burger Friday. And... I was scrambling to find... You became hamb- popular. Oh, popular. Yeah. I was scrambling to find hamburger uh, uh, buns. And then during that time, I had to scramble to find a new grinder um, butcher, if you may call, because ours got destroyed during COVID. And I found a little butcher shop out in league city that said yeah i can cover you and just so people listening know you take so much pride in what you're putting out the quality of what you're putting out league city to where your restaurant is is an hour drive yeah an hour and a hour little 15, over yeah, yeah to yeah. get down there so that i mean you you say hey from in order for me to get a good product that i'm comfortable putting out oh yeah there was there was no that. question yeah. and and uh our friend Darren Lafferty yep. um, gave me Sean from uh, Stone Cold Meat's phone number and said, give him a call. He said he'd try and cover you. And he was hand-forming patties. And I told him what my blend was, and he goes, I can't do that blend. And he goes, we can do this blend. I can't discuss the blend. Yeah. And he goes... Will you accept that? And I said, tell me the ratios. And he tells me the ratios. And I said, okay, done. He goes, how many burgers do you need? I said, for tomorrow? He says, oh, tomorrow. This isn't for a backyard cook, huh? (laughs) And he goes, well, how many do you need? I said, I need 400. He goes, how many days is that going to, can I stretch it out? And I said, no, I need 400. And... Boy, was I wrong. I probably could have used a 1,000 that day. Oh, wow. Yeah. We ran out by 2 o'clock. Wow. And we opened at 11, and there was a, a line out the door past all the way to the end of the shopping center. Always a good problem for a restaurant to run out of food and not, a, not have it sitting in the back for a it while. It was a very good problem Absolutely. to have, especially coming out of a pandemic where the restaurant industry was kicked in the teeth. Yeah, thank you, Allison. Thank you, Allison. That was awesome. And your bun is not just a regular bun. Either. No, 
you, you, you've got a quality bun that you put on this thing. And, I, you know, to me, when you have a sandwich or a burger or anything that kind of have <laughs> something that, you know, is the vessel that carries or holds that, that, that part of it is extremely well, important. Here, here's the problem. Most, most burger joints fry their burgers, and they put a third pound, six ounce, seven ounce. I'm going with full half-pound monster that is flame-broiled, and it needs... And the blend is an old-school blend, old-world blend, where you're, where you're grinding whole muscle meats. Yeah. You're not grinding trimmings. Yeah. These burgers can be eaten from rare all the way to well done. I don't suggest well done because you might as well you can just eat it, but it's not going to be as flavorable as yeah, it should be. No, yeah. it's going to be a burnt burger. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't so, want to say shoe leather, but it's just not going to be as good as it no, should be. No, it won't be shoe leather. Yeah. It, it stays juicy because of the blend. Sure. But uh, uh, a great bun to hold those juices that is not um, Wonder Bread, where it starts to melt away right. as it sits. So I ended up going with Breadman Co., Breadman Company. Uh, Tasso, uh, because he made a fantastic product, and he was able to get me a three-ounce bun to handle this monster of a burger. Yeah. 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 Because with all the other toppings, tomatoes, sauces, this, that, I mean, the bun takes a beating. So... Right now, we know that you have, you know, the traditional kind of Greek grill kind of foods. Right. Uh, and we have this burger that's fantastic. But there's going to be some changes to the menu. There is. So um, are, we getting, uh, are we getting rid of some things and adding some things? Or no, are we we're just gonna, adding? We're going to be adding and twisting up things. I'm going to uh, – uh, a lot of the, the – culturally, most all cultures' spices and herbs – are in everybody's cuisine. In the Southwest, Southwestern cooking, uh, Mexican, uh, any, any uh, Spanish-speaking, because we got to remember, culturally, uh, Spain is the Mediterranean. Sure. So the flavor profiles were already in the Mediterranean okay. and introduced to the native people of Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, so on and so forth. Right. And into the Southwest they came. Um, And again, um, we Greeks use them, but we use them timidly in comparison to the Southwest cuisine. So what I'm going to start doing is amplifying, and I'm bringing in some more if you want to call fusion okay. style. Cool, um, that'll be fun. It'll be fun because it's, it'll be hand food that you're accustomed to holding with flavors mixed with Southwest and Greek. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Bar & Girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. 
anywhere where you stream podcasts. Just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby. Yeah, and I want to make sure people who maybe haven't had Greek food don't be afraid of coming in and trying. Like we said, you you got the burger as a backup. Right. But But see, here's the deal. And we've got chicken sandwiches. I I try to avoid the deep fryer uh, only for French fries. Yeah. So the food is healthy on a pretty high level. Um. It's lean proteins for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and we eat a lot of greens. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be bringing in rice. I've been beaten up for not doing rice for a while. <laughs> um, and apparently Texans are huge rice eaters. I only it's see that Cajun influence. <laughs> it's that Cajun influence, but I only see it when Dirty I... Dirty rice, etouffee, all this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So I've got to compete with that, and I'm competing with... Middle Eastern food. Yeah. And the, the, the cuisines of the Middle East versus the Med, the Mediterranean, sure, there's a lot of similarities, but the flavor profiles are completely opposite. Okay. So when somebody says, oh, well, I want a shawarma, or you guys call it gyro, no. That's, there's a big difference. That's where we get back to cultures having things exactly. that are similar but not the same. And, and the identities. Yeah. And we've lost, culturally, we've lost the identities of each nationality's food. Right. And it, it, it's pretty sad because, you know, when Arby's sells a Euros, how do I put my stamp on a lamb and beef Euros when Arby's has one? Well, let's first start by saying... You know, I think people who listen to this show understand that there's a big difference between, you know, a fast food place and an establishment like yours. So hopefully they know right off the bat. It, I don't care if it's a burger you hope. or a gyro. If they're listening to this show, they get that. Or if they're listening to this show, they're learning that. They're learning that. <laughs> so one way or another. It, 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 it's very difficult. Uh, it's like going to Mexico, and you can find 75 different hot dogs. Yeah. You go into Germany, and there's 100,000 different sausages. Sure. Where do you begin? Yeah. But you come to the United States, and we've got ballpark Oscar Mayer, and then the little mom-and-pop joint-style yeah. hot dog, and then you got Nathan's. Yep. Okay. And that's pretty much all we know. Yep, that's it. So people got to really understand that uh, just because it's fast casual doesn't mean it's fast food. Well, it's definitely not fast food. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, we, we say street food. Even a street food is not fast food. No, I mean, it's if you not. go to any part of the world where they have street food vendors and they're doing it right, that, that'll be some of your favorite food when you're on that trip to that particular area because it's absolutely the best. Of course. Yeah. And, and southern Greece, in, in, in my opinion, uh, offers the most of... Greek food because we're so close to the coast. So we've got our fish side, we've got our meat sides, we've got our veggie side, and we've got our um, um, what is uh, another side of southern Greece, our, our flavor profiles of how we're using cheeses. I mean, 
you know, uh, feta cheese, feta cheese for a prime example. Uh, when somebody walks up to me and says, well, I prefer the French feta. Uh, in Europe, you're not allowed to call it feta unless it comes out of Greece. Oh. Yes. Kind of like champagne from Champagne or yes. scotch from Scotland. Or- yes. Okay. So, you know, uh, it, it is a type of similarity to feta. Yeah. But when you go to Greece, we've got maybe 2,000 varieties of feta. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. oh, each region has a different. And it's all the ratio of goat's milk and sheep's milk. Yeah. There's not a lot of cow's milk used out there. For the more commodity fetas, of course, there's cow's milk. And, and we can explain why again. We've done this, I've done this before in other episodes. Those particular animals are less expensive to own and easier to maintain and keep around. So that's where you got your cows were a luxury. Huge. If you had a cow back in the old day, but, you, were, you had some money. But you also needed pastures to feed these animals. That's what I mean. You had to have some money, you had to have some land. Uh, so that, that's the reason people go, well, why wouldn't they just use a cow? There's a reason behind, you know, all these things come from, and I always love that when you talk about foods of all these different cultures, it comes from the poorest people in those cultures. The poorest. They cooked with the ingredients that they had available to them, that, and they made some fantastic. I can't think of a culture that you think of a dish, and that's a high-end dish. Right. Every famous dish from a culture comes from, a poor the everyday people, yeah, poor absolutely. man's play. So all, all we did was give it special names, and we made the plates look special. Absolutely, yeah. Dress it up, dress it up, and, and you pay an extra hundred bucks, and, and and put a smaller portion, a much smaller portion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is great, Jeff. Um, so, what else about your restaurant? I mean, you already brought up the BYOB. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a great point that people need to know because I think, you know, here in Houston, and I think everywhere, who, anybody who drinks wine, wine is very personal. Very. You know, you like what you like. Some restaurants have a little wine list, but it's very rare that you find a bottle that you go, that's in my wheelhouse. So you being able to say, and you can do this because you don't have a liquor license, and by Texas law here in Texas, Correct. you're allowed to allow patrons to come in with a bottle Correct. of uh, wine. But I think that's a huge thing. Because you can come in with a group of friends, uh, have a nice dinner, enjoy the food. And I, I would suggest when they come into your place, don't order everybody one thing. Put some uh, food on the table. See, you took it right out of there my you mouth. Go. See, here with, with wines to start off with, uh, Greek foods are not meant to be eaten with dry, crisp wines. We're supposed to eat them with or drink them with, or eat Greek food with, not necessarily sweeter wines, but there are some, but smoother wines, um, whites, um, uh, some Chardonnays, or Cabernets, excuse me, not Chardonnay, Cabernets, Merlot mix, Shiraz mix, um, in Greece, apparently, since I've been gone, and I'm not a very big drinker, there are some wines that have blown people's minds. And coming out of Greece. Coming out of Greece. Yes. And they're very small vineyards. Greece has been making wine longer than most countries. The ones that are even in Old World, talking about uh, Italy and France specifically, 
Uh, they just never exported. They, they never. made it just for the table, you know. They just for the table and yeah. just for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> now you're starting to see Greece go, wait a second, we've been sitting on this way too long. We probably ought to put some out in the world, too. Get it out there, yeah. They're doing some cool stuff. Greece wines are, are really uh, starting to take off. Yeah, they're – so to, to do that, but never order an individual dish. When you see Greeks go out to a – tavern that we call or a place like this uh, a grill um, you see them just start ordering varieties of things and dropping it in the middle of the table and everybody digging it well and, and to that point one of the things you make and you make a couple different variations of it is the hummus right I make a I make one variation and it's not a hummus it's just for a lack of a better word. Okay. It's called fava. Fava. But, it, but it's not... Fava being a bean. It's not being a bean. Okay. Um, I can't answer why we call it fava. Okay. Because there's no fava bean in there. Really? Nothing. Maybe it was That's once something. upon a time and nobody told me about <laughs> it. Um, but there's no history. And uh, um, it's actually made with yellow lentils or... Yellow split pea. Okay. Um, roasted uh, red pepper. Um, I put carrot in mine just like they do in Santorini and the southern part of Greece. And not all Greeks know what fava is. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not a very, it's, it's a very regional southern Greek island okay. uh, dish. Um, and I put some other stuff again. I'll have to fucking kill you if I say it on the air. Um, and I, I'm trying to introduce and convert people because you typically go into a quote-unquote Mediterranean restaurant and everybody thinks hummus sure. is a staple of Greece. Olives. Yeah, olives. I mean, Italy's got 10 different types of olives. So sure. does Greece. You know, it's just not Kalamata. Yeah. So this this... Fava was actually a main course and has evolved into a side dish. Okay. For dipping with bread, pita. Put a little oil on it? Oh, yes. Yeah. It, and the only way to do it is low acidic Greek olive oil, fresh lemon juice, and finely chopped sweet onions. Mix it all together and start away dipping. Nice. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it's considered one of the greatest superfoods out there. So you made me think of something when you were kind of talking about that. You mentioned a dish that I'm wondering, is it Americanized that we came up with and, and call it Greek? Or did it actually, is it something in Greece? Uh, the Greek salad. Is that, is that actually a thing in Greece? Or is that like uh, it, Americans made that up with feta cheese? And it's, it's actually a, the Greek Migrants made it up. Okay. There is a salad in Greece, which everybody calls the village salad out here. Okay. To us, that's a Greek salad. There's no other type of salad. And we borrowed salad from other countries, um, which a, a true Greek salad consists of tomatoes, yellow, red, or green peppers, depending on your flavor profile, cucumbers, uh, red onion is a little bite, a little bite, but everybody's got to understand, um, 
when you slice and cut onions, you need to wash them after. Take away from them that bite? Take that bite, that bitterness, because that's the vegetable's blood or the onion's the blood. Yeah, the milk. Yeah. And it bitters. It, it's, it's nasty. It's a protection. That's a good tip right there. Um, and, and then we put hunks of feta, oregano, uh, Kalamata olives, and we only put a little bit of salt and drizzle olive oil. There's no vinegar. There's no nothing. But your olive, your olive oil is just very flavorful. So it's a little different than what Americans right. buy off the shelf. Right. But right. that salad you just described, uh, the village salad, uh, didn't have very many, you know, the Kalamata olives and the uh, feta cheese might be the only two things that were are the same in, in what we call an American Greek salad. Correct. And the reason why the American Greek salad was brought is because Americans only knew lettuce. Makes sense. And when the Greek got into the restaurant business, he saw the cost between lettuce and tomatoes. And peppers. And, and peppers yeah. and said, you know what? I'm going to add more lettuce, make the salad cheaper. Do all the rest to it. Pretty smart. And... Throw some anchovies on it and a pepperoncini, and call it a Greek salad. Yeah, there you go. Olive yeah. Garden. Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one of the issues I have with a lot of, a lot of places that, that uh, say they make a certain type of cuisine when they don't stay true to the roots, you know, of what that cuisine is supposed to be. And I think, you know, the world is getting better, uh, not just in the food or wine. We want to know what it's supposed to be, where does it come from, how is it made? And we want that now. I think back in the old days, you know, if I get a cup of coffee today, I like to get my own beans. I want to grind them my way. I want to know where did that come from? Was it a single, you know, was it a washed bean? Well, whatever. Right, right, right. I think back in the day when our grandparents would go to the store, they'd just buy a can of Folgers or Maxwell House and make a cup of coffee, and they never thought any more about it. They'd go buy ground beef, and now I want to know where did that cow graze, you know, and that's kind of where we are as in, in the world today. So I would, I see, I think I see this, you tell me, Chris, more and more people wanting to really understand and get to know the flavors of different cultures, different parts of the world, different ingredients, and, and not have it kind of, you know, somebody say, I'm going to open a Greek restaurant, but I'm going to put a different spin on it where I think Americans will still eat it. Well, here's the thing. With, first of all, with cuisine... There are, it's also fads. Okay, so fair enough. There's 50% want to know where it came from of the fad that's happening, the craze. And then the other 50% are want to know the true roots of it. Mm-hmm. The others are just followers. Yeah. So your, 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 true, your true follower of the love of your food is maybe 25% of your clientele. So you've got to appease the other 75%. You've got to appease the other 75%. Okay. So you've got to put the bullshit food on. That's something else that I like on your menu. Uh, your, your kebabs are great, your skewers. Okay. So uh, Let's talk about the different meats that you offer well, there. Well, here, here's the thing. In, in, in Greece, they offer a chicken kebab and a pork kebab. Okay. They'll do a little bit of lamb here and there depending where you're at, but it's mostly pork and chicken. They will season the meat with salt, pepper, and that's it. They'll cook it off on an open flame, and then they dip it in olive oil, lemon, and garlic, and then put it on your plate. 
unfortunately, the health department doesn't allow that. <laughs> so I had to be creative to get the same effect and flavor because it is a bold flavor. Yes. Um, and in Greece, it was extremely bold. But it was just sitting on your meat. Um, so I had to create a way to get that same experience into my marinades to get that texture, flavor, boldness, everything. Okay. Okay. So I did a reverse. Okay. Now talk about the ones that you do, the ones that you offer here, so people will know. You, you do. Okay. Your- so I do a, a chicken, which is. Uh, Basically, a lemon and herb or lemon and oregano with olive oil and garlic. Um, I do a beef tenderloin, and yes, it's true beef tenderloin. And it's delicious. Done in a a wine marinade with garlic, salt, pepper. Then I do a Greek barbecue chicken, and I probably fudge that one a little bit. Um, I actually used to make chicken gyros here made by hand like I do my pork Um, and I used to stack chicken breasts and I actually took the marinade for the chicken gyros that we used um, and gave it a little bit of twist with a barbecue theme behind it and then we do those um, those uh, beefsteak, yeah, they're called or Greek meatball for lack of a better term which are a great flavor on those things yeah those are, those are equivalent to what people think of kefta. Okay. Um, I don't know why the Greek cuisine doesn't get as much of attention as the Middle Eastern cuisine does here, uh, which we're using. I'm not saying that Middle Eastern cuisine is a bad cuisine. It's just that we're using a cleaner flavor. Okay. We're using a more mild approach to it. Uh, we'll use fresh mint, green onion. So what you're saying is when, when you hear people say that Middle Eastern kind of flavor overpowers them, they, they have a hard time dealing with yes. those, yes. Er, those uh, uh, flavors and seasonings and things, come try your Greek food. And, and it's kind of get a, it's a, a complete a ver- reverse. Yeah. Okay. And, and a lot of people just assume, oh, I've been to many Mediterranean restaurants. Well... Mediterranean is not Middle Eastern food. Right. Mediterranean is Greece, Italy, France, Spain. Yeah. And we'll give Morocco a little bit. (laughs) Um, But that's the Mediterranean. Sure. You know, just because they're in the same body of water in North Africa doesn't make them Mediterranean. Yeah. The cuisine, yeah, we have similarities. There's no question. But... You know, during the Ottoman Empire, everybody had similarities. Sure. Foods were shared. In real life, foods were always shared. So cultures have stolen foods or revamped them to fit their needs. But Greek food in general is a fresh, light, clean food. Yeah, we're predominant in garlic. Yes, we stand behind our olive oil. Sure. And damn it, lemon almost on everything. But it's fresh and clean that way. And there's no such thing as uh, too much garlic. No. I don't think so. No. Okay. Just make sure it's, we're on the same page it's there. the health benefits behind it. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, spoonfuls. Yeah. Raw. Oh, absolutely. Ground down with a little olive oil? Jeez. I, or lightly toasted, just a little uh, bit. Yeah. Now you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is on your menu that you want to make sure people know you offer here? And there's one thing that you don't have, and I know it's probably a chore, and it's, uh, it's all about you know, being able to have enough of it, or the way you have to make it, you make it in such a volume and serving it, and it's probably just logistically a nightmare. And I don't know how you say it properly, but I'll call it the Greek lasagna. Pastitio. Yes. I'll do that for special occasions. You do? Yeah. Okay, so there's times that you will have that on the menu. I won't have it on the menu. I'll offer it for people to purchase. Okay, I had take it home as a family. Okay, item. okay. So uh, that brings a good point. If people want to start following you, social media, where are you at? Uh, www. Are you, you don't have a Facebook page or? A, oh yeah, no, okay, just so, Greek. So just Greek Facebook, yeah, just GRK. Yep, GRK is the uh, Greek yeah, part of that. I, on Instagram, it's same thing. Just Greek. Yeah. Okay, Twitter. Uh, no, don't just do that Instagram stuff. and Facebook. Yeah, so go political. follow you there, and if you're running a special or offering something like that, right, you post it there. Right. Okay. I think that's. I think See, people go there more. I think than the, the website. The other the other misconception with Bastizio is Greeks don't eat it every day. Right. That, that, that was special. It's a heavy item. Oh, damn. Yeah. Hey, there's a lot that goes into it, too. Sure. Because to make that bechamel, you got to make a true bechamel. Sure. Uh, I've heard of egg going in it. I've heard of a lot of mysterious things. <laughs> mysterious. Um, that make a pastizio. And the whole trick is bechamel with cheese. Yeah. And then you got to do the meat sauce right. I mean, Greek food and Mexican food have a lot of similarities. Really? Yeah. We use a lot of the same spices, except that in Greek food, it's subdued. And in authentic Mexican food, it's amplified. Okay. So in pastizio, in, in any kind of Greek meat sauce, cinnamon sticks are a staple. Yes. That so, and nutmeg. Yes, sir. But you got to yeah. go easy in it. I agree. I've had some places where the nutmeg is a little overpowering. Oh, but, uh, it's uh, a good cold climate yeah. uh, <laughs> spice yeah. that has gotten a world attraction that people think you got to overdo it. Right, right. Well, we have, we have two people on the show tonight that are, are going to sit down and, and answer a few questions or give their opinion. Uh, Travis and Taylor Thompson, how you all doing? Doing well, sir. Great. Glad to be here. Man, they sound so, like, formal and professional. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got a sir and a glad to be here. <laughs> um, this is in your own backyard right here. Literally. How do you like, how do you like that little play on? Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, our house is... Maybe four minutes from here. Yeah. So it makes it very convenient. So it was funny when, when I told you I was coming here, you were like, oh, wait, we go there all the time. And then you texted me when I said, hey, just left here. And you were like, I'm here now. And I had Chris come out and say hi to you. Yeah, it was a very friendly greeting. <laughs> well, just special for Maureen. Here, here, here's the problem. He describes you. I'm in the back office. And he describes you. And I'm looking around going, where the hell are you? And you're telling me over the phone. And I said, are you back again? He goes, no, 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 no. He's sitting right out there. Yeah. It's kind of scruffy beard. He's a Marine. I'm like, shit. And he goes, go walk up to him. 
So I did. I said, say hi. Yeah, say hi. <laughs> maybe with a few other choice words. Yeah, there were a few, maybe. You know, how you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, this is a place you guys like to come to. This is one of your, your spots. So tell me, both of you guys get an opportunity. Tell me what, uh, what are some of the, the menu items here? What do you like about this place? I think probably off the, not of a really Greek, but the, uh, what do you call the, the fried squash? The, oh, the zucchini fritters. Zucchini fritters. I mean, it's a unique item. I love them, and I, I think you make a great hero. And then tonight, for the first time, we had the, the kebabs. They're just the steak kebabs were fantastic. Thank you. What, what, what is the, the official name for the fritters? There's a name for those, right? Uh, yeah, well... Is it not? It's about two miles long. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so. It's kind of a tongue twister. We, we call it too. the just Greek fritters. When you come well, in and you look yeah, at the Yeah, zucchini fritters. I used zucchini to make fritters. them out of tomato, too, like okay. they did in Santorini. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, people didn't. There were certain customers that if I didn't have it in stock, they'd lynch me. Oh, tomato really? I, I would like to try that. Oh. I like love tomatoes. To See? There you go. Um but zucchini is the most friendly to Americans. Okay. Because we're so used to it. Yeah. So Taylor, you have some favorite items on the menu? So the first time that we came in here, we ordered a bunch of stuff. And the one thing that's stuck with me that we get every time now is the hummus. But it's different than hummus that I was used to. And when I order it, ordered it for the first time, Chris was like, you, you realize this is Greek hummus, right? Like I explained the difference to me. It it's Did I have an attitude? No. Oh good. No, 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 not at all. You're you you were trying to make sure that I understood what I was ordering. Well now, and, he, now he's gonna have to explain that. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> all right, so hummus. Chickpeas. Chickpeas is what it means. I have to call it hummus only because for lack of a better term. Okay. Americans only know Hummus. Okay. Uh, so ours, and my recipe especially, um, it's a southern Greek dish again, the island of Crete and Santorini. The rest of Greece, because they're all barbarians, didn't really know what the food was. So it's yellow split pea. Um, I put a little twist in mine, roasted red pepper. Can't go wrong with that. No, you can't. Carrots, okay, onions, and garlic, olive oil. Now, do you soften the carrots, or you leave them crunchy to give that texture? Oh no, you uh, you cook it down. I actually use a pressure cooker. You do, okay. So yeah. you get them a little softer. I get the whole thing soft, and okay. then I emulsify it. Okay, and I turn it into a hummus. So it's called fava. You don't have to give us all of the uh, ingredients. Yeah, but obviously you put, is there garlic in this? Oh, hell yeah. Thank you. Come on. Uh, what other seasonings? Are we putting some smoked paprika or anything like that? In no, there? no. No, okay. No, just uh, roasted bread. Okay. Peppers. Some lemon Lots on the side? Lots of Greek olive oil. There's, it's topped with uh, Greek olive oil. There's okay. an importance by yeah. that. Uh, fresh lemon juice. Okay. And chopped onions. Okay. Raw onions. Very good. Then you mix it up and start to eat it. Don't dive right into it with the raw a, product yeah. on top. You're going to get a mouthful of yeah. nothing. Going to beat you up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's a technical question, and does it matter? Maybe not. You can give me that short answer. doesn't matter. Do you prefer a yellow, white, red onion on this? 
Uh, what kind of bite are you sweet. looking for? A sweet, so a yellow uh, sweet onion? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Greeks use all the red onion, but they're a little warm. Yeah. They're a little spicy. Yeah. You see those more on a sandwich or in yeah, a salad. Yeah, and you see them pickled yeah. out here. Pickled a lot. A lot of people, when I was using the red onion, would say, oh, hold the onion, hold the onion. Trick behind an onion anyway. You told me this last time. Yeah. Is when you slice your onion or chop your onion, whatever you want to call it, okay, you make them bleed. There's a little bit of milk that comes, call it the onion milk or onion's blood you gotta wash them yeah and i've never done that wash them and you get rid of all the bitterness and that nastiness so is it the milk and the bleeding that makes your eyes that, kind yes yeah so if you when you peel off a couple layers slice it in half wash them both real quick now, once you're all sliced up you're going to be bawling your eyes out so wash them before you slice. No, 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 no. no, no After. No. You got to rinse all that bitterness oh, okay. off. Okay. All that okay. white. So it's between all the layers. It's yes, in sir. all. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. I didn't know if it was like a cavity in the middle where you're like, no. once you slice it, there it it's, is. If you wash that it, off. It's basically, it's defense mechanism. Okay. The onion's speaking to you saying, ouch, that yeah, hurts. Yeah, ouch, mother. And I'm going to make you cry a little for yeah. doing this to yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. When we, we cannot leave out of this conversation about some of the best things on the menu, or not on the menu, are the whipped feta and the hot sauce. Well, yeah, I definitely want to get into some of your sauces uh, that would accompany uh, some of the foods. But before we do that, I do want to touch on a couple of other menu items. Because you got recognized and got an, an award for it. So all you people listening who are in the area and go, I'm not sure if I want to try Greek food. I'll go in and maybe try it. There's an option of a a fantastic burger here. Well, we're, we were considered one of the best burgers in Houston. A lot of customers turned around and told me, they go, why in God's green earth would I go to a Greek joint for a burger? Yeah. And I look at the customer like, what do you think? We're from the Stone Age? Yeah. We don't eat burgers. We don't understand what meat is. And Allison Cook came during the pandemic Ordered it curbside and wrote. You didn't know it was her? Not when she first ordered it. Right. No. Yeah, okay. Until I noticed the name on the ticket. And unfortunately, it was the same day Cleverly Stone had passed. Oh, yeah. So it was, I knew Cleverly. Yep. I know Allison. So it was kind of shocking that all of this, because I had actually introduced that burger first to Cleverly. Okay. Tried to get Allison's attention on it. I emailed the crap out of her. Really? Oh, instant message, whatever you want to call it. Not one response. So I thought it was a dead horse. Um, but I'm taking a eight-ounce old-school-style patty where we're using whole-muscle meats rather than a trimmings burger. Okay. And I was doing it during that time with New York Strip as we spoke. A uh, little bit of chuck and a little bit of iron round. Okay. So you're getting, in, in essence, a good steak burger. Sure. But it's got to be whole muscle meat. When I was a kid, even McDonald's was using whole muscle. They're grinding the whole goddamn cow. Yeah. Okay. Probably not nowadays, but. And burgers back in the old days, you'd bite into them and it would drip down your chin. And it wasn't the condiments that were dripping. It was the actual 
juice and fat coming out of the burger. Which makes it good. Uh, which is the only way to eat them. Yep, absolutely. So that's the route I went with the burger. And when Allison actually came and reviewed it or ate it, I knew the review was coming. And during the pandemic, it was hard to get products. And it was really hard for me to get, uh, we were short on labor as well. It was really hard for me to do all that on my own. So I called our good old friend Darren Lafferty. Yeah. And I said, Darren, Allison was here. So oh, shit. I said, I need somebody to make these damn burgers. I said, I gotta have it done. He says, oh shit, let me make some phone calls. Now Darren used to work for Cisco. Yeah. And then Darren gets around, so he knows a lot of people. Sure. And he found this company, small company out of League City, Stone Cold Meats. And a guy said to Darren, he goes, yeah, I'll do it. He goes, but there's one stipulation. I'm not grinding New York Strip. It's too effing expensive. Yeah. He says, I work with a lot of brisket, so we're going to make brisket burgers. So Darren goes, well, you know, you got to, well, tell him it's too bad. This is the way it's going to be. <laughs> so Darren calls me and tells me, and I said, son of a, give me that guy's number. Yeah. So I get him on the phone, and he ends up being a Chicago expat. <clears throat> so we came to an agreement what's going to go in the burger. And he followed through on it. He was making these burgers 400 at a time for me by hand. Wow. Every single day. Wow. So what was the ratio? What did it end up being? Well, it ended up being brisket, a little bit of chuck. Okay. And sometimes I have round. Okay. I have round's very lean. It's a very lean meat, yeah. and it's, it, it makes a good chew and ground. Sure. Get the fat off the brisket, <coughs> which I think the brisket ground gives it a great well, flavor. Well, the best, the best part of the brisket is that soluble fat in the center. Oh, absolutely. That makes the drip. Oh, yeah. That just melts away in there. Right. Yeah. And a chuck, you've got to play with the ratio. He ended up playing with the ratios. Now, everybody who knows a good burger, I think everybody who knows, this is just my humble opinion. Yes. Everybody who, who thinks of a really good burger, not only is that meat really good and the ingredients, but the vessel that carries it, uh, the bun, uh, I'm assuming yours isn't just, you know, some went to H-E-B and picked up some buns. Uh, You've got a special bun that meets certain requirements for you. Right. Okay. And it's got to withstand the weight of the sure. And it's juiciness. Yep. There's a lot of buns that I could buy frozen from Cisco, Jake's, whatever. There's Sheila, Sheila something Parsons or something like that yep. it's called. It's okay, uh, but it doesn't make it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, during the pandemic, a lot of us had lost employees. And my bread guy lost employees as well my original bread guy and uh he couldn't keep up with the buns and another greek guy bread man baking company uh, called me up to congratulate me about the a plus plus on the burger yes folks a greek made an a plus plus burger absolutely um and broke her 
grading scale. Um, Greek, I call bread man baking. Uh, called me, congratulations, whatever, and said, if you need any help during this time, I'm here for you. Um, unfortunately, my previous company, and I, I had a lot of respect for him, he was also a Chicago expat. By the way, folks, some of the best bread comes out of Chicago. Absolutely. Um, uh, I just, he couldn't keep up with my demand. And then with a new style burger, the bread had a struggle to keep up with. And I needed something a lot more yeasty and dense. Dense. Yeah. And so I go with a hollow bun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love a, a nice hollow bun. And you know what? That slight sweetness that a hollow has. Yep. With the char flavor, greasy, uh, and the good greasiness of the burger. Yeah, you're not getting a burger and going, this better not be greasy. I mean, it's no. the opposite. No, and it's got to be flame broiled. It can't sure. be fried. Yeah. You know, everybody wants a fried burger today. Why? Well, because you step on the meat. We used to call them step-ons back in <laughs> Yeah. Day. Just yeah. step on it. Yeah. Want it well done, step on you're it. You're squeezing all the juice out. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, so in the kitchens, you know, if you wanted to get something, if you were behind, you'd step on everything. Yeah. The it's, grill, your flat-top grill was the savior of getting stuff a, done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, you do, I'm sure, throw on the... Uh, the bun's on the flat top a little bit. Get oh, yeah. a little crust yeah, on yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to do with, that. With pure butter. Yeah, yeah. You got to have oh, that yeah. nice crunch on it when the oh, center yeah. there. And, oh, yeah. yeah. I melt down pure butter to do it all. So. Now, are there standard toppings, and, and is there any sauce? I mean, when we think about a burger, you know, certain people have certain sauces they put on. Some are just mustard ketchup. Some like a mayo. Is there a Greek sauce that? Well, I, I threw on the garlic sauce. Okay. Oh, I like that. Because I started it off as a Greek burger. I had to put some kind of spin on it. Sure. So I put garlic sauce on it. Uh, I make a homemade cucumber relish. Ooh. That is and done with. These are pickled. You pickle uh, them? Well, it's a quick pickle, yeah. Okay. But okay. it's not done under any kind of heat or duress okay. All right. to the vegetable. Um, it's actually still crunchy. Fresh dill. Red wine, vinegar, olive oil. But the trick is lots of salt. So the salt draws the water out of the cucumber and softens it. Okay. But Makes I don't sense. put it under any kind of boiling water. Okay. Sort. Makes sense. So, yeah, and then a little bit of garlic again. Gotta have garlic, garlic on top of the garlic. Man, sometimes I'll just slice up garlic and, and make like fry them just, and yeah. then make a little chip. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love garlic. Sorry if you all don't. But see, the other, the other trick is with the cheese. Um, Good we point. Have, we have a cheese, I don't know, I'm sure everybody's heard of Saganaki before. No. Fried flaming Greek cheese. No. You're from New York, aren't no, you? Not, I grew up there as a kid, but moved to all military family. So. Uh, okay. But. Anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a salty, buttery cheese that we dip in flour and egg. Okay. Put it on a real hot skillet. And get it to brown on all sides until it's gooey and ooey. And so this is going to, when you take a bite, it's going to run. Well, well, here, not the Saganaki cheese. Okay. And then it's cognac is thrown on it, and it's lit on fire. And then you put it out with lemon juice. Cognac. And um, it's just a, a heavenly uh, starter for Greek food. Oh, wow. 
So I take that same cheese, slice it thin, and I melt it onto the burger. So it's got a little bit of saltiness, uh, but a heavy amount of butteriness from the milk that's used. Wow. And it's it's a mixed cheese. It's, so it's goat's milk and and calf's milk. I haven't yet. Now I need to come in and try this burger because every time yeah. I come in here, I continue to kind of explore the, the Greek the side menu. of the menu. Yeah, yeah because, yeah. you know. I've had a lot of burgers, and I'm, I'm not, I know yours is great, but I'm just like, I don't get a lot of Greek food, so I want to eat some good Greek food. Know. But now I'm going to come in and uh, probably, uh, let me touch on this, bring a bottle of wine. Yeah, you heard me right. I'm going to bring a bottle of wine. And we do burgers. And you do burgers. And if you don't want a burger and you want those uh, tenderloin skewers, still goes great. And, you can uh, do those. Yeah. You can do the Greek meatballs, then. Greek meatballs. But I did want to let everybody know that coming in here... Uh, you don't have your liquor license, and you're not opposed no. to a BYOB. Oh, hell no. Uh, and no charge. No charge. So you want to bring in a couple bottles of wine and great environment. If there's an Astros game on or a football game on, it'll be on the TV. Visit and with your you friends. If you want the volume, I'll turn it on. Chris will probably sit down and visit with you for a minute and uh, oh, say hell hello. Yeah. But uh, great place to come and being able to have a, a couple of beers. Uh, if you want to bring in a glass of wine or a bottle of wine, I think that's a big thing for a lot of people today because you know what you like to drink uh means a lot when you go out and eat food there's some restaurants that won't let you bring a bottle of wine they want you to order off their menu and i won't go there because they don't have wine that i like their food but i want a nice glass of wine with it and right. they don't offer something i like so i can't, you know i make that decision it's not their fault that's their policy i respect it well, but, sometimes it's by the liquor license that causes that. Well, it's, it's only wine you can obtain. At least in Illinois, it was. Yeah, here in Texas, as long as you don't sell liquor, you just you have your beer and wine license. Oh, the owner can let you bring in yours, and he can charge you a corkage fee, which I'm perfectly fine with. Oh, gotcha. Um, but once they sell liquor, then you can't bring anything in. Uh, so if they have any hard liquor, you know, tequilas, bourbon, scotch, now you can't bring anything in. So places that don't have that liquor license, just a beer and wine, or places that and a lot of Asian places are that way. They just have wines and, and things like that. I love taking my own bottle of well, wine. Well, it's also, I don't even have a beer and wine license. You don't have any license. No. So, and you're okay with, and you're allowed, oh. you're within the right. It's legal right, to do right, it. Right, 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 right. Uh, bring it in. You can bring in beer. You can bring oh, in whatever. It's yeah. at your discretion. I, just can't, as I the, just can't open the bottle for you. That's right. I can give you the vessels to drink out of that are disposable. And if you want to bring your own glass, bring your own glass. Oh, yeah, be as snobby as you want. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a snob. I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you. Do it, but I want to make sure everybody knew that because I think that's a, 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 a benefit, a nice value add when you go to a place and you can take your own bottle of oh, wine yeah. or it a absolutely couple of beers is. or whatever you want to drink. It actually, Travis and I, whenever we were here uh, a couple of weeks ago and found out that you had just been here, we didn't realize that until uh, we talked to you, and yeah. now we'll definitely uh, be partaking in that. Oh, from absolutely! Now on. Bring that wine, bring those people, absolutely. And share meals. I guess to me, it's just been a string of bad luck. But trying to find a restaurant that allow you to bring your own beer, wine, whatever, I haven't found one that or very few of them that make great food that also allow you to bring your own alcohol. And so this place is, you know, there's there's a lot of food on the menu that pairs well with red wine. And you can bring it with you. So it's, you know, you can bring your favorite red wine to have your favorite Greek dish. Yep. Drink what you like. That's the most important thing That's about it. That's a ticket. Thank drink, you, brother. drink what you like. Okay, what else on your menu? Because there's a couple things I want to talk about. Is there anything else you want to bring up that you offer? Because I'm sure there's some things I still haven't had that you go, Rob, people need to know about this. Well, here's, here's the thing. 
Everybody assumes, uh, where's your Greek potatoes? Where's your rice? Where's your this? You're a grill. I, I, I'm exactly. Wow, man. I get it. I, you get it. Yeah. And, and this is how they are in Greece. Yeah. And I get it. These people are stereotyping. Yeah. Because the peasant Greek that came back in the day, I said the word peasant, <laughs> that came back in the day didn't know any freaking better. Yeah. You know, a Greek salad in Greece, there's no lettuce. Lettuce is seasonal. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so yeah, cucumbers, carrots. I mean, cucumbers, tomatoes. Cucumbers, tomatoes, yeah. onions. Olives. Olives, yeah. feta cheese. Yep. Red or white onion, doesn't matter. Yellow pepper, Little green Red pepper. wine vinegar might go Oh, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or a champagne vinegar. Okay. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. But people automatically think, well, no, that's a village salad. No. That's a misinterpretation. It's only a translation of the word kodiatiki, which means village. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's a village salad. It's the way we eat salad in yeah. Greece. Now, we eat chef salad in Greece. We eat julienne salads in Greece. We eat freaking potato salad in Greece. We're not freaking barbarians. <laughs> so the misconception of people is how can you have a salad with no lettuce? Well, no. Lettuce was for Americans. Yeah. Tomatoes were expensive when the Greek came here and opened up a restaurant. And he said, fuck that. I'm putting lettuce in there and saving <laughs> on tomatoes. That's right. That's how it was derived. Yeah. And I know that because I'm a 52-year-old damn Greek that grew up in freaking restaurants. Yeah. And I could hear the uncle in broken English and really bad Greek and lots of bad words saying, fuck everybody. <laughs> We're going to serve it this way. So that's how it was. Nothing wrong with that. Staying true. I, I just got to tell people the truth. Yeah. Because when they come in here and tell me, well, you're not Greek, well, neither the hell are you. <laughs> <laughs> well, have an open mind is what I would say. Anytime you go to a new place, I always, you know, the simple way to go back to it for me is, is wine. You can have one varietal, call it Cabernet Sauvignon, Right. And you can give, well, let's even go make it simple. Let's stay with food since we're in a restaurant. I can give you two guys the same exact cut of beef and tell you to cook it, and it's going to taste completely different completely from both opposite. of them. Polar yeah. opposites. Yeah, could. Maybe, maybe not. Right. But it's not going to taste exactly the same, I guarantee you. No, it, it can never taste so the same. So don't ever, I, I don't go to one Chinese restaurant or one Italian restaurant and then the next or, and expect it to be exactly the same. The only place you do that is McDonald's or Burger King, or, and I don't want that. Well, but see, Greek food is not carnival food. That's a good way uh, to put it. Gyros is carnival food. Really? Yes. The, the, oh, man, the American style gyros, Chicago style. Yeah, that's carnival food. Well, the pork one I get's not. N no, okay, but yeah, it's I a street bad. food. It's physically a street food. Sure, there's, there's nothing wrong with street food. No, nothing. But you know, you got to appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, you can't just look at it as oh, just another gyro. Right. You know. So, well, but if I can make the comparison to like a street taco, I mean, like a street taco. Right is, you know, maybe sold on the street out of a truck or whatever. But if you come into a, you know, a, a refined or like a high-end Mexican street food restaurant, it's kind of the same way as coming in here. You, you know, a euro may be street food, but you make a very, very good version of the street food. Ingredients matter. Correct. The ingredients matter a lot. Yeah. And, and I just, 
I've just seen over the years a lot of bastardized Greek food. Yeah. So bastardized that we don't even have an identity as Greeks anymore. Really? Oh, yeah, because everybody assumes Mediterranean. So you lump us all in with the rest of the shit, and that's all we are. And it, we're so much more. Just like those other nationalities, there's so much more to them. Yeah. So either be proud of your heritage and nationality or go fuck yourself. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. You know, because in the United States, we're a melting pot of people. Sure. And we've got a lot of cuisines. But Americans have a tendency to take stuff, bastardize it, Americanize it, shit out in it a couple times, and then tell you it's American. Yeah. It's not really. Yeah. But, and I appreciate good old American food. Don't misunderstand me. What is good old American food? Grilled cheese with grilled tomatoes. You know what I thought you were going to say? Bacon. Oh, that Baby. sounds good. I thought you were going to say meatloaf. It is. <laughs> yeah. But see, Greeks make a meatloaf too, oh, which I'm going to start doing. Are you really? Oh, yeah. That, you have be to tasty. let us know when that happens. Yeah. Is there, and, and I don't know the answer to this, I'm not trying to put you in a spot like there should be or whatever. Is there any kind of secret menu? Is there anything that, you know, you go. Depends what mood I'm in. Okay. And if okay. I have it. So it's just ask the question. When you come you in and we see you, just question. go. Anything I'm secret on I'm never going to have raw lamb sitting around. Sure. Don't hold your breath. But I'm just thinking sometimes you might have a menu or ingredients that you got in and you go, today I'm going to make this and that might happen sometimes I, so ask I, I the question to, i did used to do that you did okay i did yeah okay uh, but it got daunting um because some people didn't appreciate it yeah well Which, and, and typically it's got to be something you can make to order too well yeah that you know, it's got to be you don't want and, and i've got very eclectic tastes i'm kind of a food snob when it comes to meat same yeah, and, and you know, matters. if if I'm going to bring in lamb, I'm going to bring in lamb tenderloins, and make lamb tenderloin skewers. Yeah, well, when you're at about eighteen dollars, twenty two dollars a pound, you look at a customer and say, "Sure, I got those. Are you willing to pay fifteen dollars yeah. a skewer?" Yeah, yeah, for four ounces. You mentioned lamb; it made me think of an Italian dish. Do the Greeks make anything? That's similar to a nosobuco. Uh, Not really. That's kind of uh, that's stands kind on of, its own. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Uh, it, well, it, see with hot braised kind of. Yeah, we do a lot of braised beef. Okay, beef. We'll do a lot of braised goat in the ground. Not in the ground. No. 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 We'll just braise the bone. Okay. With the meat on. Big leg or the. Well, we'll do we'll do a leg of lamb braised. Okay. We'll do oxtail braised. Okay. I mean, a, a true osabuco, if I remember, is oxtail. It is. So braising and slow and low yep. is a whole. Yeah. I just didn't know if you had, I figured with lamb and, and goat and things see, like that. I, I get, see, goat is just oh, yeah. some, some of the best meat. Absolutely. And Kid, baby, oof! But again, people here might go. Eh, yeah, right. they frown at yeah. it. It's almost like eating uh, uh, Bugs Bunny or something, yeah. uh, or Bambi. Uh, yeah, and Texans are huge hunters. I don't understand. Uh, exactly. Bambi is delicious. Yeah, Just yeah. putting that out there. Backstrap, really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. better. All right. Well, I know uh, we're going to close out the show, but let's finish it the way you would finish a meal, and okay. let's talk about. Uh, and, and I know it might not. I don't know that I saw it on the menu. 
But do you ever make anything that's a dessert, a Greek dessert? And there's one that comes to mind. Okay, go ahead. You know what it is. Which is it? Baklava. Yeah. I don't make it personally. Okay. Because I know how. Okay. Oh, I can make a mean baklava. You can. Boy, that's so good. It's such a pain in the I know it is. That's why I prefaced it by saying I I know it. I, 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 I buy it frozen from Kantos. It's already cooked. Okay. Just where I get my pitas from. Okay. Kantos pitas are number one. Okay. okay. Uh, Kantos' baklava is very expensive. Now, there's a difference. There's different pronunciations around the globe. Baklava. I mean, it goes into the Russians. It goes into the Armenians. It goes around the whole Balkans. Okay. Okay. Um, when we're dealing with Balkans and that kind of thing, it's mostly walnuts. Uh, when you're dealing with the Middle East, it's mostly pistachio. So when somebody says, oh, this guy makes better baklava because his nuts are green. Well, we won't go that's why that's his that. nuts are green. <laughs> but that's pistachio. We mostly do it with walnuts. So the whole trick, <laughs> yeah, right. The whole trick is that phyllo dough. The one that I called dry yeah. and nasty. So do you want 18 layers or do you want one simple one? Uh, like you're well, talking about with, that one, with that one, I think they do six layers. layers yeah. Because it absorbs, I think they're doing six or seven or eight maybe on the bottom and another 10 on top. Because you're, you're the true baklava, instead of doing a, um, I guess, what is that? Uh, you take honey put it on the stove, and start to liquefy it. Then you take some lemon rind or some orange rind and a cinnamon stick, and you bring that down to a watery mixture. And then you pour it over your baklava at blazing hot where it's almost explosive. And once that honey absorbs into that phyllo dough, it kind of makes it not so dry anymore. Yeah. It's almost like a syrupy kind of... It is. It's got to be heavy syrup. Yeah. We have a, a friend who's Greek who got his grandma's recipe. And uh, just based on picture, you can... What part of I, I, you know what part of Greece? Ooh, do you guys know what part of Greece he's from? I do not. Say his name. You can almost you can almost figure it out. Ooh. Ooh, let me see that. Ah, damn. This is also the same friend that introduced uh, Travis and I to Spazizio. Spazizio? We yes. did Greek night at their house, and that's what Greek they made. Greek lasagna? Food. Yeah. Oh, yes. We, we just passed the uh, one-year anniversary of that meal. Yeah. We need another that, Greek knife. That's a damn good-looking baklava. Yeah, it was, he made it from his grandma's. He's got his old grandma's uh, old, old cookbook, recipe book. She would write all her recipes down, and he got to keep that. And Their bechamel sauce that night. Oh, oh, oh. my God. Oh. Whoops. I didn't even see that. My fault, Chris. Sorry. Can you grab those right there, just three or four? <coughs> We didn't even drink that much. I know. I just didn't see the cup. I'm sad that it went there and not into my tummy. 
It's always a sad day when that happens. So do you ever put a dessert on the, on the menu? Do you yeah, ever that was something? your question, wasn't it? Well, and I just didn't see anything. And you might go, yeah, we have stuff sometimes. It's just kind well, of periodically. I tried to do a dessert. I, I like not-so-sweet dessert. Okay. Uh, anything heavy in syrup. I mean, I like baklava, but I'm not, like, the biggest, greatest fan of it. Okay. Because it's, it's just too sweet. Yeah. Um, One piece and you're done. Uh, Half a piece and you're done. Well, I probably shouldn't eat seven that night. Well, you're right. (laughs) So what I had done was um, I had taken, I remember my grandmother taking and making her own yogurt. Now, Greek yogurt is a a heavily strained yogurt and cheesecloth. To get all the liquids out. Oh, that's the way to do it. So it's supposed to be super pasty thick. Okay. And she would take that yogurt and give it to us a hundred different ways. She would sweeten it, put it in pastry, just like a a cup, um, mix vanilla in it, fresh vanilla bean she. She always had the best. And, and, you know, she was a World War II woman, yeah. always broke, that type, came could, from Could make a lot out of a little. Out of, yeah, practically out of nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, with a little lemon zest in there, a little sweetener in there, she stood behind honey. Now, when we think in Italian cuisine, What's the first thing they add to spaghetti sauce? Should we call it gravy? Because some Italians call it gravy. They call it gravy. Um, what's the first ingredient you add to your tomatoes to get them not to be sour? Brown sugar? Or sugar. Yeah. That's supposed to use it. Yeah. It's too high in acid. So use honey. Use honey. It That's neutralizes. That's a great tip. Neutralizes the acid. Yeah. So in all my cooking, I just added honey. Okay. And it's neutralized acid since. I'm going to try that. Yeah, try it. Yeah. it it's actually, you, you'll end up using less. Okay. Than you realize. So desserts is something you might have on, on the menu sometimes. Yeah, I'm, but. I might play with something, but, you know, I was never big on dessert. Yeah. Sure, I can make a hell of a brownie. I can bring in... You know, yeah. you know, and I when I think people come here and want a dessert, they're going to want something that's more yeah, representing. They want to hear, uh, yeah. hear opai afterwards. Yeah, and, and throw a plate down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and maybe a little dancing. We're going to get some live music in here. Oh yeah, we'll get some belly dancers too, <laughs> which is not, which is really not great. For belly dancers. Yeah, there you go. What is that? It's Middle Eastern. Okay, okay. You guys do kind of cross over a little bit. Well, we do, and yeah. some of the kicks we do in dancing, but Show not me. with half naked women. <laughs> Well, I can't do the dance. Well, Chris, we appreciate you coming on the show, man. Really Thank appreciate you. the Thanks conversation. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Talking about your place a little bit, all the great things you're doing here. And uh, everybody listening that's in the Houston area, if you haven't been to Just Creek, no matter where you are, what part of the city, it's, it's worth the drive to come out here. If you live in the area, it's a great place to hit up on a weeknight. Uh, if you don't live in the area, a Saturday drive, man. Get out. It's that time of year. It's the fall beautiful weather take a drive come have lunch over here go somewhere else and stop by here for dinner and and chris will show you a good time and you'll eat some fantastic food one thing i want to bring to everybody's attention though is that we're going to have a new menu coming up 
Well, crap. We did all this, and now you say that? Well, I'm, I'm just going to bring it up in okay. the end because it's got to be a surprise. All right. It is. Now, what do we know about Texas cooking? It's heavily influenced by Mexican spices. Sure. So being that we use a lot of the same spices in our cuisine, I'm actually going to take with the new menu and some new specials on a daily basis, I'm going to take the local flavors, amplify in my way because I like that bold of everything. It's got to kick you in the ass a little bit. Sure. Um, you want to remember it. And you're right. And I'm going to incorporate it into the food. Nice. So with this new menu, you're going to see a lot of new things. And it's going to go with a twist. So we're end of October 2020. We're expecting the menu to be available when? November 1st. Oh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. If All not right. sooner. If not sooner. Yeah. So you might need some people to come in and, and just kind of taste through it for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. I might know somebody. There's, there's, we will volunteer. There's, there's going to be a... a we talked about kind of well i'm gonna turn some people on um that's what she said <laughs> there's there's gonna be a twist in the food there's gonna be a a greek mac and cheese oh. stuffed empanada if you want to call it yes. uh, and i'm curious of, of the cheeses reason. but i want to be surprised well yeah it's gonna be okay there's gonna be american cheese in there okay. too american cheeses okay but a little bit of Greek buttery cheese. Okay. Nobody. But it's going to be done just like my spinach pies at Spanakovita. Nice. Um, but then the twist comes in. There'll probably be something called like a bacon jam that you spread on it. Ooh. So there'll be a little bacon inside. So this is going to be, I think, uh, a menu when you kind of release this. To get a group of friends, four, six, eight people come in, put some tables together, oh, order yeah. through the menu, order bring some the menu wine, and share it all, and just go to town. Yeah, and don't order your own dishes, people, when you come. Share. share. Family style. That's it. I mean, food's made to be eaten with a group. Together so with happiness. Yeah. Not with, this is my plate. How does yours taste? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I said that to you earlier. I don't want to eat the same bite 25 times to finish my meal. I'd rather have two or three. And then two or three of this dish, and then two or three of that one, and kind of... Is that the Italian in you or the New Yorker? Which is that? I don't have any Italian in me. No, and it's sure. just, I think it's just exploring foods and going, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and just realizing I don't want to get full on one thing. Good for you. I think I just came to that realization. But, Chris, this has been a lot of fun, man. Okay. Uh, we may have to come back and just have another conversation down the road. And, we should. And when, when things change and we've got some new things going on, let's definitely yeah. get together and yeah. talk about it. So... Thank you very much. Thank you to my two favorite customers sitting here and friends. They'll, they'll keep coming in. They'll keep Absolutely. Coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't have to kiss any I don't. I don't think it's anything no. to do with you. I think it's to the food. <laughs> I wish it were you, Chris. I wish. I wish it were you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey in Your Own Backyard. And until our next episode, enjoy your next pour.